Hey Dave, I'm thinking about doing another revolution. Do you want to join up? I might need some help with organising the pamphlets though. Pop culture pastor. Okay, so Cody, um, once again, we were not nominated for an Oscar. This still shocks me <laughs> every year. It stings. It stings a little bit. Um, and, and it really stings given that they're just copying our whole PCP PCs A's. PCP PCAs. Our Pop Culture Pastor Pop Culture Awards. Total ripping us off. Uh, every year. I mean, how many years have the Oscars been around? <laughs> One, two years? I'm just getting a little tired of this. A little tired of this. Um, yeah, so the nominations came out. And, you know, like, I mean, I could read you off some of these. I don't know that our audience cares. I care. You care. I care. Okay, well, so, like, first of all, there's, like, 20 Best Picture nominations, because that's the thing they do now. I feel there should be, like, six I know. at most. I know. What? Why did they start doing this? Um, because people got tired of the artsy films getting nominated and then your blockbuster like motion pictures that get billions of dollars not being nominated. Okay. Well, Barbie got nominated. Killers of the Flower Moon. Napoleon did not. Oh, well, thank goodness. <laughs> you, I got you. <laughs> oh, I would have come across the table in a fit of rage. Uh, Maestro, Oppenheimer, I don't know, some movies I haven't heard of. Uh, the Zone of Interest, which is a movie I, I just read about and I actually want to see. Um, about the, the area outside of Auschwitz. Oh, yeah. Uh, 1944. Uh, looked like a very interesting movie. Um, best Actor, Bradley Cooper, Coleman Domingo, Paul Giamatti, Killian Murphy, Jeffrey Wright. I mean, those dudes are, that's a murderer's row. It's... It's tough. Yeah. This is where it gets a little more interesting. Best Actress, Annette Benning, Lily Gladstone from Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Sandra Holler, Carrie Mulligan, and Emma Stone. I honestly don't know if anything from Killers of the Flower Moon should actually be nominated except for Lily Gladstone. Yeah. I'll yeah, that's kind of what I'd heard. That's kind of what I'd heard. Best Supporting Actors, uh, Sterling K. Brown, Robert De Niro. Um, Bob did a good job. I just don't know if I would put him like in the, yes, you are in the final cut. Yeah. Ryan Gosling got nominated for Barbie and best supporting actor, Mark Ruffalo. And they're all battling for second place behind Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, which I think is who will probably win. I'm hearing a lot of Oppenheimer buzz. Yeah. I mean, he was just really, really good in that role. Um, and then America Ferreira got nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Barbie. Um, and that's important because Emily Blunt, Daniel Brooks, Jodie Foster, Devine Joy Randolph. Those are important to mention because I need to mention who didn't get nominated for Barbie. By the way, I should just say this is Pop Culture Pastor. You should. I'm Dave. Cody's here. I am. And also, also we have a guest. His name's Ethan. Ethan Bush. First time on the program. That's right. Yes. Glad it, to be here. Why'd you get so quiet all of a sudden? I, I don't know. I was like, you were you were in the zone, and it was like, you know, first time caller, long time listener, and just I was in the moment, seeing it live. Ethan's normally boisterous, I, I would know. say, but yeah, he's look, he's all nervous now. Maybe I was waiting for an intro. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Ethan Bush. <laughs> tell, tell everyone what you do, Ethan. Um, yeah. Um, so my name's Ethan. Um, I'm the elementary music teacher here mm-hmm. in town. Um, and uh, Dave and I go to church together. And uh, I love comics and pop culture. And I recently started listening to the Pop Culture Pastor podcast and was like, this is pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> And uh, I got got invited on, and I'm ready ready for the deep discussions now. So now you've 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 awoken my fighting spirit. Now I'm going to yeah. jump in. Yeah. Okay. So we're as you heard, we're yeah. talking about the Oscar nominations, mm-hmm. and what I want to get to is the big point of contention uh, as we talk right now is Ryan Gosling gets nominated for best supporting actor for Barbie. America Ferreira got nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Barbie. Uh, but Margot Robbie did not get nominated as the title character. Mm. And the director, uh, what, uh, what's her name? Help Greta. Me? Greta. Gerwig. Yeah, Greta Gerwig did not get nominated for Best Director, which I found really strange when I first heard it. And then it, I knew it was strange when, like, when was the last time you remember an actor putting out a statement? So Ryan Gosling put out a statement today saying that he was kind of shocked and disappointed in the Academy for not nominating Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig. And I just thought right off the top here, I'd, I'd maybe get your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, Ethan, did you see Barbie? I did. I saw parts of it. Yeah. And by parts of it, I mean like the parts that were on YouTube. But <laughs> <laughs> I never got around to seeing it in theaters. But I will say... Um, for the first day of school for my students, I did a parody video of I'm Just Ken. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, and I did I'm Just 10 for my 10-year-olds coming back to school. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> so, So, yeah, so having that musical connection to Ryan Gosling, I think he's 100% right. That's such a weird thing. Like, the whole point of the movie was... It was like the patriarchy versus like everything that goes on in society and to then have like the guy <laughs> get nominated. Like that was the whole point of the movie. Well, okay. So, but America Ferreira did get nominated. Right. So she did. It is weird though. And people have brought that up and like, oh, wow. Okay. So Ken gets nominated, but not Barbie. And really that's weird. I mean, supporting the, the supporting actor and actress rules have kind of weirdly specific things like you could get away with I mean, there was a winner a few years ago that had like what six minutes of screen time or something or other yeah mm-hmm. uh, cody what are your thoughts oh well, my thoughts are one you could literally say that this it may be one of the better years for leading actresses mm-hmm. and that it would be tough to crack into a limited field because it's not wide open like yeah. the Best Picture of the Year award. Right. Um, you could say that, uh, but I do feel that she was snubbed, and there's a legitimate complaint um, that she could make, and I, I would agree with. I also think this year you have not only uh, Greta uh, being nominated for, or not being nominated for director, but she's there's... Um, Scorsese um, and uh, Nolan in this year's like nominations list and you got to enter that list with those two heavy hitters and then you're always going to get some 
art film you've never heard of and some up and coming person you've never heard of. And it's, it's going to be tough to crack it when you have two heavy hitters. Cause usually there's just one or the other, but you got both in the same calendar year. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Ridley Scott didn't even get nominated, but that's cause his movie was trash. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Ridley. Um, Sorry, Ridley. Uh, but Scorsese got nominated. Yeah, and Nolan. I'm saying it's like, yeah. But did you feel like Scorsese earned that, or is it just his name? Um, name, and he did do some very artistic choices within his movie. I think that it could have been cut down by an hour. I was gonna say if he cuts it down to two and a half hours, <laughs> he wouldn't have needed those artistic choices. Um, but. No, he did some really cool things, and the way the movie ends, I'm like, that's amazing. I like that. And it takes a director of his talents to get there. I just don't think this is his best work, and you could have put Greta in yeah. over him. I'll tell you, here's, here's what I thought about the snubs specifically. I thought Barbie was a good movie. You can go back and listen to our Barbenheimer pod to hear our thoughts about Barbie and Oppenheimer both. Um, we knew that they were both special movies when we saw them. I think Oppenheimer is a better movie. I think Oppenheimer, but that's like not an insult. I think Oppenheimer is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I think it's that good. But I thought Barbie was really good. And I think what I told you when we were discussing this through text when I first found out about it is that um, I said, I'm not so sure that I thought the acting was the highlight of the Barbie movie. I don't think that's what elevated it. You uh, smartly pointed out that, well, they had some other choices for those that would have been worse. Looking which, at you, Amy Schumer. Which I agree with. I, I agree, but I would say that those different choices would have made it worse. because they. I, I'm not saying Margot Robbie's not a good actress. I think she is. I'm not saying Ryan Gosling's not a good actor. I don't think he is. I, I, whoops. I, I think he is. <laughs> Calling you out, Ryan. <laughs> oh, man. But my, I don't watch that movie and go, wow, that was really elevated by the acting. I think it's the story. The execution has to be there. So the actors have to do their part for sure. Does that make sense? It, I'm not trying to insult them. It does. But I also wonder if that's to the detriment of some good acting, because there are scenes that Margot Robbie really does have to hold her own and bring something to it, um, especially yeah. like when she's talking to the creator. But, I mean, you have such a good story there that you're like, well, almost anyone could have made it decent. You're right, though. She had to do the most nuanced stuff. Yes. Now, I do think America Ferreira definitely earned recognition as a supporting actress in that movie. If you'd have pinned me down and asked me who does the best acting job in that movie, I probably would have gone with her. And I would have said Michael Sarah, but here we oh, well, are. Well, you know, like, look, Michael Sarah is unrivaled. <laughs> <laughs> but I just don't know. My, my first inclination is like, well, I don't think Ryan Gosling should have got nominated. And then we wouldn't have to talk about this. We wouldn't have to say, well, why did he get nominated and not Margot Robbie? Right. But then once you nominate him, but then your, your point is good too, Cody, that like, well, maybe the, the running for supporting actor wasn't as stocked as, as actress was. Yeah. I wouldn't know because I didn't see all these artsy fartsy movies. <laughs> 
That's why we don't care about the Oscars. I mean, Emma Stone had a unibrow on that one, so you know she was she was going to get nominated. <laughs> like anytime <laughs> someone gets ugly on purpose, that they're going to get nominated. It's like, and she really got ugly. Not like the she's all that fake ugly, right? Where they slap some overalls and glasses on someone and be like, "Look how terrible this the Laney Boggs is." Right. Like, no, she's still cute. <laughs> Anyways, that's sorry. That's a trope that bugs me. Uh, the romantic, uh, the teen romance comedies where they dress up someone in glasses and be like, "Look how awful Patrick Dempsey right. looks in Can't <laughs> Buy Me Love." What a nerd. <laughs> okay. Such a loser. What a loser. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, we just thought we'd get some thoughts out there for uh, the Barbie snub, as it's as they're calling it. Um, I'm about to boycott the Oscars altogether over it. I mean, like, look, I don't know why I would watch the Oscars at all if I didn't think someone was going to get slapped. <laughs> That's, <laughs> if, fair. That's if, fair. If someone's going to get slapped, I might watch. And But Will Smith's not invited now but, for, like, how long? Three years or something or other? Oh, I thought 10. Oh, is it? Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know. Don't but, quote but me here's, on that. But here's the thing now. Like, do they have to up the ante? Like, it can't be a slap this year. Like, someone's, <laughs> someone's getting, like, thrown through a table. Like, Buffalo Bills football style. Just, like. Stay tuned this year while Chris, coming up, the best supporting actress, Chris Rock gets kicked in the nuts and the list of stars who passed on this year. If, if Jack Black just runs out on stage and drop kicks like one of the presenters. <laughs> That would be amazing. I, I think everybody would watch. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, almost, they need to do some WWE style mm-hmm. promos, I think. Well, <laughs> get the new board member of TKO, um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, there who owns his name now. He's going to own everything soon. He will. This is like, y'all, y'all think Trump's bad. He's opening the door for our future president, President Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Better known as just The Rock. And then we're going full idiocracy. So It's when, happening. When he becomes president, does he rename Rushmore just The Rock? <laughs> the Rockmore? <laughs> the Rockmore. <laughs> <laughs> he'll ask you first. Yeah, he'll be like, yeah. President Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And he'll come out and be like, dun, 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 dun. what do you think the name of it? It doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. We went full skit mode here. At some I point. am a little yeah. concerned. Yeah. <laughs> just, just at the base of the mountain is the jabroni zone. Uh, full to, disclosure, yeah. I'm tired. So when I get tired, I get kind of goofy. So this might be a goofy pod. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Pop culture draft coming up with our friend Ethan. We're going to draft coming of age movies. The best coming of age movies coming up. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. I, you know, Ethan in the time out there started talking about Lightning McQueen, and I don't know what else was going on, and it just got off the rails quickly. Got a little McQueen random. Slander? I mean, if you brought up Larry the Cable Guy, I was straight up in, in the pod. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm crying. That's true. Like, all right, I'm done. We're done. <laughs> I don't know why, but Larry the Cable Guy just really gets my goat. Is it because he's from Nebraska and doesn't talk like that? 
Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, part, well, part of it is is that that's not really the way he talks. It's a persona, right? Oh yeah, like it's over exaggerated. Yeah, he doesn't have a thick accent. Yeah, um, and then like if you're gonna do that, man, at least be different, like Bobcat, Bobcat Goldthwaite. <laughs> uh, now he did a voice that was uh, that's just out there. That's original. You tell him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's Pop Culture Pastor. We're here for a pop culture draft. The way this works, it's just like fantasy sports, except this is fantasy pop culture. Fantasy, Hollywood, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what we call it, but uh, we call it Pop Culture Draft. This uh, this week, we're doing coming-of-age movies. Um, do you guys want to give like your short answer of what you how you how do you define a coming of age movie, Ethan? Sure. Um, so for me, it was the immediate thought was like a young adolescent slash teenager figuring out like their place in life slash growing up, usually going on like some kind of journey or like discovering themselves. And at the end of the movie, they might not be there, but like there's a start to like discovering or changing who they are towards something more. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Cody. A coming of age <laughs> movie. What are you reading? <laughs> centered around the themes of a youth growing up in maturation with a strong focus on the central character arc. I mean, are you even gonna like are we gonna give credit to whoever wrote that or um Studio Binder or Bender. Um, that was the Google answer. That's okay, all right. I was going to say that's, that's very, good. That's very close to the Google answer I looked up three days ago. So, so yes. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. It's sort of like you know when you if you visualize the hero's journey as that circle, mm-hmm. it's sort of like the very beginning of the circle, right? Right. It's the coming of age part. Because like if you imagine you know that Chunk and Goonies went on to be like some crazy hero on this crazy hero's journey. Already. Then, um, then like, this is the beginning. This is the start where you, he learns something, right? And so. Shenanigans. Oh, so, yeah, it's like a much, it's, it's like where your characters start off somewhere in the innocence, the naive innocence of youth. Now, I, I do have a question based on that. Okay. So this is so just for the viewer's sake, I'm I'm not a whole lot younger than the two other guys in the room. I'm 27, but there is like a general ga- generational like difference a little bit between us. So I'm curious. So like, I do think that there's three generations actually represented here. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah. So that might be a first for the pod to to have a Gen Zer? Yeah. On board. Oof. What, what do you mean? I'm, I'm, a, I'm edge of millennial. Thank you very much. You're um, a, you're a millennial. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm the transition. I'm an year. Excellennial. You. You're, yeah, so an excellennial. I'm edge of millennial, but close to the Gen X side of it. So I'm sorry. I didn't. I was distracted <laughs> by the dude doing a hundred down Main Street. Um, <laughs> Chanute, Kansas is basically fast and furious. <laughs> what just happened? I was going to say Vin Diesel's outside of our office recording. <laughs> I mean, Vin Diesel, yeah, exactly. Someone just rolled by in a Mustang going 100 being like, family! <laughs> like, I don't know what just... Anyways. Is Fast and the Furious a coming-of-age movie? No. no. Oh. I'm, 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 it is. I'm very not, close. I would never choose that. I'm just <laughs> getting your viewpoint as a... I, I will say I liked this category because it can be kind of broadly defined. 
Um, Star Wars Episode One. Well, you know, honestly, <laughs> he's not. He's got a point. It's not wrong. He's got a point. It's not wrong. According to my Google definition, it's spot on. It's not going to make my list. I was <laughs> sadly that's a choice. Does not make my list. Um, I'm really hoping Crossroads makes your list. <laughs> The Britney Spears coming of age movie. Listen, there will never be any Britney Spears slander on this pod from me. So he's saying there's a chance. <laughs> it's happening, people. Uh, okay. So the way this is going to work, fellas, is we will determine the draft order by this handy dandy little wheel that I will spin on my phone. That you cannot see. At that time, we will um, list out... We will draft in that order. I got to get, you know, I haven't got my notes ready. So I need to just, uh, as I'm telling you this, I need to write that out. Uh, So we will go in order, draft our three movies. One at a time. Mm -hmm. And then we also have two special categories that I will let you know after we're done with our three coming of age movies. That, uh, That seemed to go. Everyone down with that? Yep. Let's do it. And then I will also, after you draft the movie, I will go ahead and before you start into why you're picking that movie, uh, I will read the the summary, give everyone, tell who was, who was directed, the basic information before, uh, I, okay. before you go into it, okay? I appreciate that. Okay. So you, you don't have to worry about that. Sweet. You just tell me why you picked it after I'm done with the summary. Because it's right? good. Okay, it is good. <laughs> it is good. Okay, here we go. Are we ready? Yes. For the spin. That is my phone spinner. The first selection in the draft will go to Cody. Yes. Cody. It's happened again. Is drafting number one. Someone's going to hate me today. Uh-oh. Are you going to take one of my movies? I don't know if it's one of yours or not. I just know it should be on everyone's short list. Okay. Hit us with Cody's number one pick in the coming-of-age movies. We're we're doing it now. I thought we might announce who's number two. Oh, okay. Yeah, you want to do it that way? Yeah, that way. Yeah, let's do that. Got to get draft order first. That's good. Uh, The The second person could be ready. The number two pick will be... Oh, no, Ethan, I'm sorry. It's going to be me. <laughs> it's going to be me. Uh, Ethan's the, pulling up the rear. The new guy getting the short stick. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, we, maybe we got to figure out save a better the, way to do that. Save the best for last. It's all good. <laughs> so we don't make our guests go last, but Cody, you are first. Hit us with your number one pick. So literally, I'm doing therapy today. And you're I, getting therapy? No, or, I'm, oh, you. <laughs> I am the therapist. All right, all right, all right, all right. And I reference this movie, and a sixth grader says, "I love that movie. It's the Sandlot." Wow, Ethan's leaving. <laughs> Ethan is leaving. Oh, I think he's really leaving. Okay. I told you this should be at the top of everyone's short list. <laughs> This is a masterpiece of a coming-of-age film. Ethan is is everyone that selected after the Chicago Bulls in the 1983 draft or whatever. Oh. He is beside himself. <laughs> I knew that that was going to be his number one pick. I did not. <sighs> okay. you, you set this up, didn't you, Dave? I did not. I didn't do it, man. You betrayed me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Here's your basic information for The Sandlot. Um, 65% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is slander. When That's Scotty terrible. Smalls moves to a new neighborhood, he manages to make friends with a group of kids who play baseball at The Sandlot. Together, they go on a series of funny and touching adventures. The boys run into trouble when Smalls borrows a ball from his stepdad that gets hit over a fence. Released in 1993, directed by David Mickey Evans, Cost seven million dollars to make, only made thirty four point three million at the box office. Well, it's a cult classic, but it's it gross money. So you know what can you say, Cody? Why the Sandlot? Um, because I grew up with the Sandlot. Like, so it comes out ninety three. As soon as it is on television, I have watched it, and I've watched it like every time it's on TV. Um, it's one of those just go-to movies. Um, funny cast of kids. Mm. Like, sometimes you get kid actors and it's like, oh, this is awful. But not with this group. They're, they're funny. They look like they're just having fun. And you get, like, these hilarious hijinks that happen as we're trying to get this baseball from a guy that we assume um, the meanest guy with a killer dog and it turns out it's james earl jones and he's not mean he's actually really nice and friendly and he gives a hearty chuckle and gives the boys an even better baseball to to give to the stepdad and i mean you get this friendship that blossoms over the summer and it at the end of it you get well not everyone remains close, and we all gradually grow apart, but we we all look back to those childhood memories, and that summer was a big summer for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, with these movies, yeah, what? Yeah, I, I, you did a good job of that. Uh, I was hoping we would get into, like, what is it this movie that you identify with? Of, of like these coming of age. So we all, of course, came of age at some point. What was the part of this movie that's nostalgic for you that reminds you of your life? Um, okay, so not exactly how it happens, but like the when they're on the, the roller coaster and they're all taking a dip at Chew <laughs> and getting sick, <laughs> I had an uncle that thought it would be funny to give me a dip of chew and no. like put it in my mouth and like I initially just start gagging. Oh. And yeah, that ruined a holiday. So <laughs> um but no, I I I had a group of friends that like ah, we hung out quite a bit like for a two summer uh yeah. period that like I look back and I'm like Man, that was great times that we were together almost every day. But then, like, yeah, you grow apart and you kind of wonder what happens to these yeah, people. Yeah. Did you have one of them that disappears, like, in the end where they're saying when you see him, like, and we never saw him again and he fades off the screen? Did you <laughs> uh, have a friend like that? I do have a friend like that, that, like, just sporadically he'll just appear like he's still alive and it's like <laughs> hey dude 
How are you? He didn't end up in Nam. Yeah. No. Thankfully. So there's backstory here with Ethan, because the reason Ethan is on this program is we had this back and forth at church. For years. For Yeah, for literally years that I've known Ethan about which was the better coming of age movie, this or the Goonies. And it was this. It is this. And it's by far. And I don't I don't want to like I don't want to jump in and like add to yours. Oh, it's please your add. Cause I mean, <laughs> okay. it was just going to be random quotes after this. Well, Cause there's so many quotes from this movie. So I also grew up with this and it's by far my choice for the best coming of age movie purely because there's a lot of movies out there about growing up, but in a movie, you only have a limited amount of time. What the Sandlot does brilliantly is it doesn't give you like a three day period over like, some random kid you meet and they go on this like short journey and you're like, I'm changed. No, it shows you like, here's 10 minutes of like the beginning of July and then fast forward a week and now they're playing a night game and Mm. then they fast forward and they're at the pool and it shows you not just the growth of the character, the main character who's the new kid on the block trying to make friends, but also you can see their relationships growing and their friendship blossoming and just they're getting closer and the inside jokes start happening. And it's just a great visual of not just his growth and coming of age, but all of them coming to age and figuring out life together mm-hmm. over a long period of time, which I feel like not, I can't think of another movie that does it better. Yeah. Um, I will also say you get the, the growth of him accepting the kind of the new reality of his home life mm, because yeah. he's struggling still with stepdad, which is Dennis Leary. And yeah. Dennis Leary deserves like all the flowers for this, by the way. Oh man. Dennis Leary is so good in this um, because you're not sure if you like him, you're kind of with the kid at first, mm-hmm. but then you kind of, as the movie goes on and he, and in very little screen time, he manages to flesh out like this full character of the stepdad who's like, he's awkward. It's not that he's not yeah. nice to the kid. It's just, he's awkward and he's getting used to his new role. Yeah. And like this movie, even though we argue about it, Ethan, this movie does have a place in my heart because I had two stepdads who really, I struggled with. Yeah. Um, uh, not at the same time, of course. Uh, that would be weird. But um, really confusing as a child. Yeah. Uh, so when this movie came out, man, I super identified with it. Also, being the new kid, I moved. We moved around a ton, so I was like always the new kid, and never got received quite as well as uh, you know this guy does in this movie. But um, yeah, I think this is a great movie, and it should be up there. And it's probably going to get you a lot of votes. Um, I will also say. That uh, Patrick Renna, aka Ham, oh, like, Ham Porter, that dude, he so he got a picture with Aaron Judge, and it's now a meme of the greatest home run hitter <laughs> ever, and, and Aaron, Aaron Judge. Yes, yes. <laughs> Ham stinking Porter, put some respect on his name. <laughs> so yes, honestly, it, it's. It's just great. It's yeah. classic. So. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. That's Ethan, good. I'm sorry. I apologize. That, that one hurt. Yeah. I was like, bam. If I, that blows my whole draft out of the water. If I got to pull something out of left field. I learned keep anything up. from the action draft, the action star draft. It is. You, if you, there's one you want, you better select yes. it. Yes. 
and Dave was like, I'm going chalk the whole way. I'm a, I've changed my strategy a little bit later with this first pick. I'm going chalk and I'm taking the Goonies yep, there it for is. my first um, pick. Mm-hmm. That's a good one because yeah. that might be number two on my list. Even though Ethan just threw a little Goonie slander into his description of the Sandlot there. Um, with Where? The, oh, because it's just Where? a few days. <laughs> growth can't happen in a few days. You don't even get a few days with the Goonies. You get them for like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> There's no character. You just meet them and then leave. Uh, it's okay. a good movie. Good movie. The Goonies came out in 1985. 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. Here is the description. In a world. No. <laughs> Old-fashioned <laughs> yarn about a band of adventurous kids who take on the might of a property-developing company which plans to destroy their home to build a country club. When the children discover an old pirate map in the attic, they follow it into an underground cavern in search of lost treasure, but come up against plenty of dangerous obstacles along the way. Directed by Richard Donner. Executive produced by one Steven Spielberg. And uh, made $125 million at the box office back in 1985. Starring such luminaries uh, as Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, Corey Feldman, Kihai Kwan, uh, Oscar Award winner Kihai Kwan. Also, Josh Brolin. Didn't he win an Oscar? He is at least nominated. He's, yeah. a, he's inevitable, you know. Martha Plimpton and uh, many more. John Matusak as Sloth. Always like to throw John in there. Uh, the former NFL player. I love the Goonies. I've talked about a lot on this pod before. It's everything we talked about with the Sandlot. It's um, for me personally, I grew up moving around a lot and I immediately took to this movie where these kids had obviously lived in the same place their entire lives. And much of the movie is spent. They're motivated by the fear of losing that place being forced apart. And so that the same thing with the Sandlot where you have mix and matched parts, but there's this idea that we're better together. Um, and I love everything about the, the Goonies. I love everything about stories like this. Uh, and I love that. Um, I love that they go on an adventure, you know, stand by me kind of comes out around the same time as this. And honestly, a lot of people would have picked that. A lot of people would say that that is the coming of age movie of the eighties. But I'm like, it's too serious for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's too serious. Yeah. I need an adventure. I need serious is reserved for real life. Yeah. You know, I, I dig these sort of movies. This is one of my favorite movies ever. If not my favorite, I literally ca- cried when Kihai Kwan won an Oscar mm. last year. Like, I mean, I literally cried because he's a friend because I'm a Goonie and I have been since 1985 rep your colors dave rep them i'm repping them let's go i'm i'm straight from the goondocks Mm. uh anything you guys want to say about the goonies also very quotable yes it is very yes very very quotable ethan it is time for your first selection which cannot be the sandlot i know (laughs) that one hurts i have i have the you're killing me small shirt like (laughs) It's it's in my blood a little bit. Okay. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. He's got to take a different approach. He's gonna have to go with an audible now. Yeah, I, yeah. Like so, I can't compete with the classic. So I'm I'm going. Oh, I thought you might try to steal. Like no. I thought he was gonna pull a Jackson no, 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 and no, just no, no, start no, no, trying no. to steal other people's picks. <laughs> I, I'm I'm going I'm going for popular vote now. Oh, okay, okay. popular I, I, vote. I'm, I'm going for popular. All vote. right, I'm interested to see where you okay. go. Um, <clears throat> I'm going with the Lion King. Oh, oh yeah, dude. Okay, I hadn't Animated. even thought of that. But that is the an excellent pick. strikes back. That's right, that ladies and gentlemen. Excellent, excellent pick. So wow. a little about the Lion King. Obviously, um, the story of Simba, born the future Lion King. Um, his dad Mufasa is the Lion king at the time and his brother scar who was originally supposed to be king if you caught that in a viewing recently um hates him and eventually plans his downfall and death and murder tricks simba who was a cub at the time into thinking it was his fault right discovers mufasa dad get up everyone who's seen oh, no. the lion king don't, knows exactly don't go there please what i'm talking about yeah it's too late I to can, my heart can't take it yeah so Thus begins the hero's journey of going from this innocence to running away from all of his problems. Mm. You get the whole Akuna Matata with Timon and Simba in the jungle, tries to run away from it, can't, because like so many times is the case, your past catch-ups to you. And so he has to go back, confront his father's killer, redeem his name, reclaim the throne and bring peace, prosperity back to the Lion Kingdom. And it's literally the perfect hero's journey in the sense that you start innocent, this tragedy, the growth, the comeback, and then he ends with the perfect product. Yeah. I love it. Came out in 1994, 93% on That's rot- right. Rotten Tomatoes. That's right. And I think a big part of that is, let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen, the soundtrack. The soundtrack of that movie is... Is it the... Is it the best soundtrack of all Disney animated I've, I've movies? I've heard, as a music teacher, I've I've heard many people say mm. yes. The only thing that comes close is Tarzan, but that's just because Phil Collins is amazing. I mean, they're, that's the only one that comes close. Oh, whoa. Well, they're this all, is I mean, slander. That's a tough, I'm say, I'm saying that's a from, tough competition. I'm saying, okay, well, hold on. Quit trying to shoot holes in my, my vote over all here. Right. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying in terms of like iconic, like when people are like... Coco. Boom. Like, is Tarzan but, but see, iconic? Coco is too new. I feel like I feel is like at it, this point. Is it? I wouldn't even know what songs are on it. That's how new it yeah, is. Yeah. Oh see, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm disappointed, Dave. But um, yes, Coco. I mean, not Phil Collins. Yeah. Not Phil Collins, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Uh, Lion King, obviously, yes. Iconic soundtrack. Elton John, all over that. Um, I had that soundtrack. I had the cassette. I listened to the nerd out of it. I'm not ashamed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was walking around singing all the songs. I still have the words um, memorized to Hakuna Matata, and uh, I, I just can't wait to be king. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I almost laughed a little bit saying that, because like, no, no, no. I have that memorized, yeah. <laughs> um, which seems kind of weird now. I know. And mm. it's one of those movies, like, when, when we were going through this list, I was like, I got to have something there I got to think of. But I so wasn't you, even thinking animated. I yeah. did, but I'm like, I got too many live action. Yeah. Well, and to go to your guys' points where you were doing relatable stuff, like, I think that's also what makes this so relatable to so many people. Because obviously the first half, like, 
I just your, can't your wait fa- to be king. Your father probably wasn't like murdered and then you were framed for it. But <laughs> like the whole face, like, you know, sometimes you, you have to go back and you have to face things that are painful part of your past and you have to overcome it, whether it's directly confronting something that happened or just coming to terms through like different means. And so I think that's a very relatable stage yeah. um, in many people's lives. Also, this might be, oh, go ahead, Cody. James Earl Jones in this movie. Okay. Right. And yeah. Mr. Bean. Yeah. I was just about to bring that up. I'm glad you said that because this might be unrivaled in all the movies we pick as far as cast. And even though it's voice cast, because oh, it's animated. I might have my next one might blow it out of the water. Jeremy Irons, James Earl Jones, Matthew Broderick, Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, Robert Guillaume, Nathan Lane, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Cheech is in this movie. <laughs> the incomparable Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yes. From Home Improvement. <laughs> JTT. Young, he was, Where are my JTT girls young, at? Young Simba. That's young right. Simba. Whatever happened to that guy? Uh, he went to college. <laughs> Your mom goes to college. Man. Oh, burn. Man. <laughs> the, the fighting has begun. All right. Okay. The first round is done. We've got the Sandlot, we've got Goonies, and we got the Lion King off the board, starting with Cody's second pick right now. Okay. Oh, Captain, my Captain. We're going Dead Poet Society. Oh, my gosh. Did you ever read the book? <laughs> Who has time to read, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> I had time to watch the movie. About poetry? Ethan, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this might be out of your age range. So, Have so you not seen or read this? I, I saw this, and I was so frustrated that I haven't seen it yet. Because I looked at the cast, and I was like, first of all, it's Robin Williams. This yeah. is fantastic. And everybody knows like the ending scene and it's like super even not watching the movie you watch that scene and you feel something yeah so i saw that and i was like i want to pick it i've just never seen it yeah this is one of those movies this is the first movie where everyone realized oh robin williams can do more than funny things Mm -hmm. this was it so let me let me read the description and we'll unleash cody here um 84 percent on rotten tomatoes a new english teacher john keating played by robin williams is introduced to an all-boys preparatory school that is known for its ancient traditions and high standards he uses unorthodox methods to reach out to his students who face enormous pressures from their parents in the school with keating's help students neil perry played by Robert Sean Leonard and Todd Anderson, played by a very young Ethan Hawke and others learn to break out of their shells, pursue their dreams and seize the day came out in 1989, directed by Peter Ware, 235 milli at the box office. Okay. Um, literally a whole episode of community is based around <laughs> seizing the day. Carpe DM. Yes. We carpeed the nerd out of that DM. We did. Um, no, this movie, again, Robin Williams um, shows off his acting range where he's not just being like goofy, funny, mm. rapid fire Robin Williams. It's a more serious approach, even though this movie is technically a comedy slash thriller. That seems like an odd way to word it, but I guess kind of, um, no, like, so watching this movie growing up, like I didn't have the attention span as a kid, Mm -hmm. but as an adult, I have grown to love it. And, um, 
did you know that although this is not based on a specific true story, the atmosphere and the characters are based on the writer's true experiences at Montgomery Bell Academy in Nashville. Oh, okay. So this is quite literally his coming-of-age story in bits and pieces, but thrown into a school year. Yeah. So I believe what we're talking about here is a fictionalized true account movie. Yes. Which may not be the last time we talk about a movie like that on these lists. Spoilers. On these lists. Spoilers. I don't know. That may may influence what I'm about to pick. I will also point out that... uh, Ethan Hawke's great in it. Robert Sean Leonard. Like, when I'm watching this as an adult, I'm like, it's Wilson! Wilson from House! <laughs> like, that dude just fell off the face of the earth. And, and it was like, he hey, came back. When you start watching House, you're like, hey, it's the dude from Dead Poets Society. Now he's just Wilson from House. Yes. Um, full full stop. I, I feel bad for him. But, yeah, no, he, he, he did great. Um, Josh Charles is in it. He's in a bunch of... St- things kurtwood smith red foreman yes and so there's a good cast here and i think the robin williams factor elevates it to like upper echelon this was the movie where everybody was like oh robin williams is is him he is him yeah that was this was the movie where where everyone found out like oh he's just not he's not just mork for mork he can do things because, uh, listen, Goodwill Hunting doesn't happen if it's not for this movie coming mm, first. This is true. That's a good point. So, so good. So, so good. All right. Anything else you want to say about that? No. It speaks for itself. Yeah. Okay. Um, based on you picking a movie that's a fictionalized account of a real thing. Oh, I'm so excited for this. That has influenced where I'm going with my second pick because I'm going to keep that tradition like that alive this is going to be the, maybe the round of that no pressure ethan oh. <laughs> <laughs> well we already know I, i'm not following tradition here i am selecting the the 2000 movie almost famous Ooh, that was on the list 89 percent on rotten tomatoes set in 1973 it chronicles the funny and often poignant coming of age of 15-year-old William, an unabashed music fan who is inspired by the seminal bands of the time. When his love of music lands him an assignment from Rolling Stone magazine to interview the up-and-coming band Stillwater, fronted by lead guitar Russell Hammond and lead singer Jeff Bebe William, uh, Jeff Bebe, William embarks on an eye-opening journey with the band's tour despite the objections of his protective mother, directed by Cameron Crowe, the movie I'm selecting is almost famous. Uh, yeah, a teenager hitting the road with a massive rock band, writing about it for the Rolling Stone. Sounds like complete fantasy. <laughs> Very much so. But it is based on the fictionalized account of the real life experience of Cameron Crowe, the filmmaker. This happened to him. And uh, yeah, it's a great movie. I love. Um, that it's a kid to in this adult world. So like the, the difference from the movies we often are, are talking about here are it's kids in kind of their own world. Yeah. Who are faced with higher stakes. This is different where he, I don't know that Williams, there are some higher stakes in the movie, but it's more about him being thrust into the real world before he's maybe really ready for it. 
that he has to grow up fast. And he does it with a group of friends, but they're already adults, sort of. Mm -hmm. Like the band members are all have some immaturity going on in a lot of different ways. Um, and and the world itself is not real life, right? Right. So the, the movie switches back and forth from his family, his mom and his sister. They kind of switches back and forth from his time on the road where it's like not real worldish, back to the real world of his mom, who's you know very overbearing, very helicopter parentish. Um, but I just love this movie. Kate Hudson. This is the movie that where she kind of explodes onto the scene. She's no longer just Goldie's daughter. No, she's nominated for an Oscar as as well as Frances McDormand as the mom. Um, Cameron Crowe wins the Oscar for the screenplay in this movie. Um, um, I completely forget that Anna Paquin and Zoe Deschanel are in this. Yep, yeah, they are in this movie as um, groupies. Basically, what are they called in the movie? Though they're not, they don't call them groupies. They're uh, band aids. Yes, band aids. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this movie as kind of a mentor, and he's like, uh, uh, he's also a writer. He's a, a writer about rock and roll bands who this kid looks up to and he has this great quote in the movie and I just want to read it here because I, I wrote this quote down. I remember when I watched it for the first time and I had to wanted to remember it. And he says this, the only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. <laughs> and I just so identified with that, right? Cause when you're a geek, Back when I was growing up, it wasn't cool to be a geek. It's right. cool to be a geek now. Oh yeah. Uh, but that line where what you share with someone else when you're be when you're uncool, and what he's saying is there is uh you you're being vulnerable. Yeah. Mm. Right. You're letting yourself be known and seen by someone else. Truly, you're not putting up a front, you're just uncool, you are who you are, and you're open to someone. And that's right. That's, that is a part of his journey in this movie. I was I was going to say that's probably the most relatable thing about being a teenager period is just being like super awkward not knowing who to trust and opening to the wrong people and then getting hurt and learning from that and yeah so that's yeah, yeah. I'll have to watch it. You have never seen Almost Famous? That's oh, wild as it we sounds. We are oh for 2 this wow. round. <laughs> We're learning some things about Ethan. Ethan, that's a music movie, too. We're watching that. Okay. I want to watch it with you. We're watching it. There this movie is fantastic. What okay. a great movie that is. Well, just remember, you uh, you set me up for my movie. Okay. Uh, with is, is he kid going? going to an adult world. Oh. All right. Yeah, I'll wait for you to finish. But no, I'm done. Oh, you ready for mine? Your second pick. You're on the clock. Kid going to an adult world. Give me Tom Hanks in, in big. big. Yeah. Tom Hanks in big. I wasn't ready for that. From you. All right, After here we go. The yeah. Yeah, announcing yeah. that we did not know Almost Famous and Dead Poets Society. Okay, here, yeah. here's the description. You ready for this? I'm ready. Uh, by the way, another movie that was sort of the unleashing of an actor onto the into the world. Yeah. This was Tom Hanks' big movie, I think. Uh after a wish turns 12-year-old Josh Baskin into a 30-year-old man, played by Tom Hanks, he heads to New York City and gets a low-level job at McMillan Toy Company. A chance encounter with the owner, played by Robert, Robert Loggia, of the company leads to a promotion testing new toys. Soon, a fellow employee, Susan Lawrence, played by Elizabeth Perkins, takes a romantic interest in Josh. However, the pressure of living as an adult begins to overwhelm him, and he longs to return to his simple former life as a boy. I think there's a metaphor there. 
Maybe. Maybe. Uh, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Boom! Came out in 1988, directed by Penny Marshall. $151 million at the box office, nominated for the Best Actor Academy Award was Tom Hanks in this movie. There you go. So, yeah. Uh, what, what, do you, uh, what do you identify with in this movie here? So this isn't necessarily like a big identifier for me in the sense of like a personal connection, but I just loved this idea of flipping the script. Like you were saying earlier, where it's like we see so many movies where it's like in the kids' world, through the kids' eyes, and they're mm-hmm. relatable. But this kind of does a little of both, but a little bit more in the adult world. So obviously he's a 30-year-old man. He can't go home. He goes to New York. And through all of these different encounters, he becomes what kids are good at, playing with toys. And so he leans into what he knows while struggling with adult life. But at the same time, I one of my favorite scenes is he's trying to talk to his friend about it. And his friend who's still 12, like he goes and meets him at like the gym or something after school. And like, he's like, dude, I don't know what to do. And like, at first his friend is like supporting him, but after a while, his friends want nothing's to do with him. Mm -hmm. And so now he's like an adult trying to figure things out, being a 12 year old. And then his friend, his one thing left to his adolescence and innocent abandons him. And so now it's this existential crisis of like, figuring out who he even is now because he's not a man and he's clearly not a boy because everything's been left behind and so he has to figure this out um they left out a huge part and that is how he got the wish okay which is the coolest part of the movie he goes to the machine yeah the zoltan the zoltan yeah 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 and uh yeah at the end he don't worry boys and girls listening he does turn back into a child thank goodness so (laughs) but it's kind of a melancholy ending because like the music swells and he's a kid again and he goes home and his mom's crying but at the same time it's like all of the things that happened kind of weren't resolved it's like he still like lost his best friend and like he went through this harrowing experience and he's not necessarily more matured now, but it's definitely changed his view on like a ton of stuff. And mm-hmm. so he he can't be this kid anymore, but he's not ready for adulthood. So he's kind of in limbo as this 12 year old. And so it's this like great metaphor for growing up. It was just like, you know, sometimes you get to 20, like I remember going to college and like the first semester, half the kids dropped out. And it's not because the classes were hard necessarily. I mean, don't get me wrong. They, like, college is difficult for many people, including me. I, I was challenged in college, obviously. But they just couldn't handle the newness, yeah. like being away from home, forming new relationships, not having that blanket, figuring out who they were. How I met so many people who are like, my whole life I knew I was going to do music. And my first week I have no idea who I am anymore. Like, it's just scary for so many people. Yeah. And so I think that was really well portrayed in this because they do a great mixture of showing his 12-year-old boy, but now he has to hide it and be a man. Yeah. Mm. Did you have thoughts on Big? Uh, Tom Hanks before your time. No, I grew up in the (laughs) 80s. Being an 89er, yeah. I lived it all, buddy. I'm uh, an 89er. That's yeah. I, we're going to put that quote on a shirt. <laughs> I am the 80s. Um, but no, so for me, it was just like a really 
fun, iconic movie. Mm -hmm. But I never was like, I really relate to this one. Yeah. So, right. yeah. yeah. It's, well, it does have the iconic scenes, the, the, you know, the piano. Scene, I would, yeah, the piano. Chopsticks. And, the, and my, one of my favorites is when, like, the girl starts liking him, but he's, like, oblivious. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, so, um, can I come into your apartment? He's like, you want to have a sleepover? And they just, like, jump on the trampoline and, like, do all these kids stuff. And she's like, what is happening? <laughs> what this movie does beautifully, what I remember about it, because it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think what it does beautifully is you spend your whole childhood wishing you were an adult. Mm -hmm. And then you do hit that point in adulthood that the same part he hits in this movie where you're like, I just want to go back to being a kid. Yeah. And like that, and then maybe that's a little bit of the melancholy yeah. there that you're talking mm -hmm. about, because I do feel that it's good stuff. Um, good pick. Man. Oh, so don't count I'm, me out. Yet. I'm, I'm torn for you're, my you're twin for your third pick. Yes. Like, will we be able to list two movies that didn't make the cut at the end? <laughs> like honorable mentions. Yes. Um, cause uh, there's this one movie and oh my goodness, it's so good, but I don't think people would vote for it. I mean, sure. Okay. So Do you just want to say it now. <sighs> I mean, I mean, you guys can steal it, and I'd be proud of you for it. But Jojo Rabbit is the oh, movie yeah, yeah. that uh, I'm. Uh, huh. Oh my goodness! Breaks my heart that one. Yeah, that one's tough. Um, that one's a tough watch. Like, oh, you get this fun, whimsical kid that just thinks his nation's the best, although his nation just happens to be Nazi Germany, and he imagines Hitler being this nice, funny guy. And which is Taika Waititi, and no, he, it, it comes too real, too fast. Mm -hmm. well, not only does his best friend go fight in the war as a young kid, but his mom dies, yeah. and he realizes, oh, Jewish people are people too. Yeah. Yeah, that one's so that is not the one I'm going with. That's a that's sad just one. the one that missed I, the cut. I like that though. I'm gonna also I'm gonna do that too. I'll name yeah. one that misses the cut before I get to my last pick. Okay, um, my last pick because this is one I loved as a kid. Okay, Matilda. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, you threw me. I didn't yeah. think that one was coming. It. Oh, it's so good. Get the rusted roots ready to be played. Send me on my way. <laughs> that scene's just magical. Uh, came out in 1996. 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's good. The film adaption of a Road doll work tells the story of Matilda Wormwood, a gifted girl played by Mara Wilson, forced to put up with a crude, distant father played by Danny DeVito, <laughs> and mother, Rhea Perlman. That's genius casting. Worse, Agatha Trunchbull, played by Pam Ferris, the evil principal at Matilda's school, is a terrifyingly strict bully. However, when Matilda realizes she has the power of telekinesis, she begins to defend her friends from Trunchbull's wrath and fight back against her unkind parents. Whew, 1996, directed by Danny DeVito. And do you want to hear something funny? I always want to hear something funny. Narrated by Danny DeVito, but he <laughs> refers to his character in the third person, and it makes it so much better. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, you get this kid that's growing up in a home that, like, they're not rich, and um, 
the dad is very selfish. He's not uh, paying much attention to his daughter. His daughter or his wife, she kind of cares, but yet she really doesn't because they're all about trying to keep up with the Benjamins and are keeping up with the Joneses and make all the Benjamins. And like he's concerned about a boat and she's just going to school, being bullied, not only by the principal, but at times the kids, but things get better. Don't worry. And then she finds this one teacher, this one wonderful teacher, Miss Honey, and Miss Honey cares and loves for Matilda, goes out of her way to make Matilda feel seen and heard. And that part of the movie, I I look back at as an adult and like, my favorite teachers are the ones that kind of went out of their way mm, to to yeah. talk to me to to make me feel seen, make me feel heard. Now she goes on to adopt Matilda. And none of my teachers adopted me. But <laughs> I had good parents, so they didn't need to adopt yeah. me. Mor- morally gray area as a teacher. <laughs> yes, um, I love you so much. Come home with me. Yes, <laughs> might not be the most ethical of choices, but yes. And there, it's funny. There's good music. Uh, th- when she's using her powers, that's great. Um, there's a delicious looking chocolate cake, which by the end of that scene, you're like, I don't want to eat chocolate cake ever again. Because uh, the Miss Trunchbull makes the kid eat the whole chocolate cake. Oh, that's not healthy. It's not. That's abuse in some places. It is. And so wonderful casting in this movie. We haven't even gone to who the FBI agent was. It's, uh, I'm looking at him right now. Rest in peace, Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee-wee. Pee-wee Herman's in this movie. Oh, my goodness. Like, it, I, I've never seen this movie. What? Yeah, I've never seen Matilda. Oh, my goodness. I have not either. <laughs> okay. I did see the musical that our middle school put on last year. Yeah, the, uh, there is a musical yes, out there. And that was very good. Well, I imagine it was. I've heard good things. This is another one of those movies that doesn't hit me in a good spate time in my life. Watch it with your kids. It's a classic, okay. and you'll thank me, and you'll be like, Cody, I should just make a trophy for you because not only was your draft perfect, but this pick was amazing. Perfection. He it changed perfection. my life. It's what <laughs> I expect you to okay. say. Well, I don't know about that, but you know, maybe, maybe we'll see. Um, okay. You know, I'll start off with... What missed the cut? Yeah, what misses the cut? Really, any John Hughes movie could have been in here. And I'm actually going to be quite surprised with myself that I'm not. Because I had a bunch of them listed here. I did too. It just, you know, the second pick, I really felt good about Almost Famous after you picked Dead Poet Society being a fictionalized, a real account. Um, And I just thought, it's meant to be. I'm going with Almost Famous. But really, any John Hughes movies could have been on here. I had a lot of them on my list, but I'm not going with them. I had also thought with my third pick, I was going to pick Billy Madison. The Adam Sandler movie, (laughs) Billy Madison. Because he doesn't grow up. It is a coming of age movie. And it reminds us that you're never too old to try and mature. That's Yeah. And so I liked the 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 kind of sideways of that of being like, oh no, he's a fully grown adult right. who's just never grown up, uh, but he's forced to by the end of the movie. Adam Sandler, man, um, and and frankly, I do love, I just love the old. Uh, 
I love the old Adam Sandler absurdist comedies. Right. And I miss those. If peeing your pants is cool, then I'm Miles Davis. <laughs> oh, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. Uh, but I'm not going with that. Instead, I'm going with another 80s coming of age movie. Let's do it. You know. Oh, I sometimes hope you choose the one that my wife wanted. Sometimes the coming of age movies involve adventures to look for pirate treasure. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going out to the woods to look for a dead body. And sometimes you need to fight and defend your homeland against commies. <laughs> I'm going with Red Dawn, baby. Okay. Red Dawn. Um so you did not choose the one my <laughs> wife was hoping that I would choose. <laughs> Red Dawn came out in 1984, gets absolutely slandered on Rotten Tomatoes with a 52%. Oof. In an alternate 1980s, the United States stands alone as communism grows stronger. When Soviet soldiers invade a small Colorado town, brothers Jed and Matt Eckert, played by Patrick Suaze and Charlie (laughs) Sheen, escape with friends to the forest. With their father, Tom, a prisoner of the invading army, the children decide to fight against the Soviets. As the country comes under increasing attack, the the group teams up with Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Tanner, played by Powers Booth, to take back their (laughs) town. 1984, directed by John Milius, uh, was a 17, uh, excuse me, $4.2 million budget made $17 million at the box office. Uh, (sighs) Box office gold is what I'm hearing. Yeah. (laughs) Starring such luminaries as the ones we've already mentioned, Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, Jennifer Grey from Dirty Dancing, C. Thomas Howell, Leah Thompson. I was going to say Marty's mom is in this movie. Yeah, this is literally um, part of the uh, infamous brat pack or uh, what, what were they called then? The frat pack? Yeah. Yeah, the 80s version was the frat pack. Um, yeah, Powers Booth. Well, bye. That was from Tombstone. Uh, that's uh, the wrong same movie. Same guy. <laughs> uh, man, let me tell you something. Red Dawn made me really think that when I was in high school, I needed to be watching out the windows to see those first paratroopers land and thinking about where, how I was getting out of town. Um, if only communism was the worst thing we had to worry about. <laughs> well, it was in 1984, Cody. And uh, if you haven't seen this movie, I recently rewatched it on a day when I had nothing better to do. I'm going to tell you, it holds up. It's an awesome watch. I loved watching this movie. What's your thoughts compared to the new one? Oh, the new one is absolute trash. <laughs> Just trash. It's like um, the new one is like if the, you know, uh, who's the the Republican dude with his own network? Uh, ben. Uh, Shapiro? Shapiro. Shapiro. What's that called? The Daily whatever. Uh, I don't even remember what it's called. That's that remake is like if Ben Shapiro did a remake of red Dawn uh, gotcha. and so, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's so bad. Uh, but this movie's great. Uh, it captures all the like really paranoid vibes we had in the cold war. Oh yeah. Because uh, I'm joking about it, but we really thought this was going to happen. Like the whole concept of the movie of the Cubans and the rest of the world coming out of the South and the, the Russians coming across the Bering Strait. Like the whole concept of the movie is so ridiculous. It's like they literally do a ground invasion, which is just insane. 
I, I, I really want to get like a real, I, I want Dan Carlin on the pod <laughs> because I want to get like a real like military history guy to come and say like, tell me exactly why this is ridiculous, how this could have never happened. What is the practical application of an air assault on Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> where norad <laughs> yeah, is yeah right, right in the middle of america yeah yeah um but for whatever reason man it hit all our jingo buttons you know the jingoistic oh yeah patriotic stuff back in the 80s and we were all going wolverines you know and like you get him dude from dirty dancing even though that wasn't a thing yet <laughs> um but man that's yeah. dirty day is dirty dancing a sequel just unaffiliated <laughs> kind of, they maybe. beat back the Russians and then he's like, I'm retired. Dun, 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 dun. You know, the weird thing is, is like, I think people my age who grew up on movies like this, this may be like, I, I, I want to say that maybe this affects us in a way the, the, these are the dudes who loved this movie, me notwithstanding, because I do love this movie, but I can see how ridiculous it is at the same time. Um, it, it totally is a coming of age movie, man. These are all high school kids who, by the end of the movie, they're spent, they're spent. They're all used up as they say in the movie, right? <laughs> Defending the lowly state of Colorado from the commies from Russia and Cuba. Um, but uh, this really is a coming of age movie is that they have to learn as they're thrust in the middle of this ridiculously awful situation and, uh, they have to grow up pretty fast, but, yeah, I really think the people that like idolized this movie when it came out are maybe the people that have like, you know, gun rooms in their house and take family photos with the guns, yeah. the Christmas photos. You know what ones I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah. And maybe they're like, you know, actually in Congress now. I don't know. Maybe they're those dudes. Maybe they're them. I don't know, but um th- this movie is one of my favorites from when I was a kid, I, I just watched this every time it was on HBO or something. I would just watch this mm-hmm. all over and over and over again. And yeah, I definitely, I definitely played red Dawn out like, you know, with friends, like with pretending, what would we do right now? If the commies invaded, <sighs> it's questions I asked myself when I was 12 over and over again, still ask himself now. <laughs> all right, Ethan, what is your final pick? Okay. So, honorary mentions, right? And mm-hmm. did you guys do two or just one? Just honorary? one. Just one. Just one. Yeah. Okay, just one. Just one. Oh, gosh. So much pressure. Just rattle them off if you can do it quickly. Okay. What, what were well, you thinking I'll about? Do, I'll, I'll do two. So, I didn't want to do another animation, but if I had, I would have gone a goofy movie. That is a perfect coming-of-age movie. It was on my list. I'm because, surprised that you didn't pick that. Because code. because it's all it's not just him, the son coming of age, it's the dad. dad. Mm-hmm. It's the dad, too. And I was like, ah, but I can't pick two animations. That feels like cheating. So then um, I almost picked Home Alone. Wow, okay. Yeah, you I are like picking of. all... Just because it was out of left field, and I'm like, technically... He had to grow up. And he did. Like, he learned something. Yeah. They but, all learned something. But I'm... I'm Buzz not, even learned something. That's true. That's true. The old neighbor guy learned the, something. By the way, conversation for another time, but the si- the second one is better than the first. Okay. I'm just saying it. Right. Okay. Um, but no, I'm going... My last, my last pick, I am calling upon all of my peoples listening. Everyone... 20, let's go 30, 35 and younger. Okay, All right. that's me. Let's go. Sorry, Dave. You might you might have seen it. <laughs> oh, um, that's ageist, but okay. <laughs> yes. Well, this won't connect to you. See, I grew up with this, 
and it is the third movie in a series and it is the culmination of growing up and coming to age and that is high school musical three wow that's right that's right out of nowhere (laughs) here Um, comes the speaking of oscar snubs zach efron did not get nominated for iron claw that's ridiculous oh my goodness okay high school musical three senior year i'm ready is the full name of it Mm -hmm. 64 percent on rotten tomatoes Amid preparations for a basketball championship, prom, and graduation, sweethearts Troy Bolton, played by Zac Efron, and Gabriella Montez, played by Vanessa Hudgens, vow to savor every moment. As they should. (laughs) Knowing that college (laughs) plans put the future of their relationship into question. Mm. An elaborate spring musical is just the thing for these two wildcats and the rest (laughs) of their classmates to express their fears and hopes for the future Oh man, this says just just screams coming of age. I know. Released in 2008, directed by Kenny Ortega. Cost? Oh my gosh. Cost 11 million, made 252.9 million at the box office. Big win for Disney. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. That's how we got the Marvel Cinematic Universe people. <laughs> this is wild. Look at this. This is our it's just the my generation's grease, you know. Oh, well, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'd never thought of that before, um, but you're right. Better than Grease 2. <laughs> With the motorbikes? <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right, man. Tell me what High School Musical 3 means to you. Okay. You, you kind of already did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How do, you, how do you identify with it? Well, well, first of all, it came out when I was in high school. Oh, um, and right. so, like, I think I was, like, either a late sophomore or just started junior year when it came out. And... Like, so, you know, you already had the first two, like the first one, you meet everybody. The second one, they're on summer break. But the third one, like it gets heavy. Like, like they, like it starts off. I would know. So, so, well, not like heavy, like, and then they died. No, but like, (laughs) yeah. Wolverines. Yeah. (laughs) And then the Russians come and everyone dies. Yeah. 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 Um, Zach Efron says, we're all used up. Yeah. Zach Efron's just like Black Hawk down, Black Hawk down. But no, um, so it starts off the movie, they win the basketball championship and it's like supposed to be this party scene, but Troy played by Zac Efron and his girlfriend, they're bummed because it's almost the end of senior year and they're going to different colleges like hours apart from each other. And they know there's no way for a long-term relationship. It's not working. By the way, that does not like real life because every teenager here that's going to a different college, they're (laughs) convinced that they're going to make, they're going to be the first to make it work. Right. Well, that, well, they're like, we're going to fight for it. We're going to end up, but and you can tell like in their conversations, they're like, this isn't going to work. And Ethan's so, just in the background going, haven't you ever seen high school musical three? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Come on, Dave. You know what? We're watching your movie first and then high school musical three. It'll be, be- it'll be a double feature. All right, man. Um, You'll be like, what? Why do I care about Sharpay? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you got the whole gang. There's like six main kids. And of course it's a musical. So it's a bop, but at the end it's super powerful because it shows them graduating and like they say where they're going and like going to all these different colleges and two of them get to Juilliard. And at the end they have this big musical number and the actors are in real life. They've been doing this for like seven years and they're like crying in the final scenes while they're singing and dance. And so it's like a really powerful scene, but if it affected me because I was like, dang, dude, like that's going to be like me and all my friends next year, not singing and crying as we <laughs> going across <laughs> the stage, cool, but, <laughs> but like the realization, like, 
Like I'm going to, I'm going to go to college and there's like a really good chance. We're never going to see each other again. And like the memories we make now, like I'm going to like not remember all of them, but there's going to be some memories that like even today, like I'll think of high school and like five will pop into my head and I'm like, I miss those guys sometimes. Like you're going to make me cry, man. Yeah. Like make me cry and or bust out into, you know, song just out of nowhere. Exactly. And like there's, yeah, there's like a best friend song. There's the boyfriend, girlfriend song. There's the, we're moving on growing up song, leaving high school behind. So it is a very uh, generation defining. I think everybody my age who was in a high school or new to college when it came out was like, that hit me in the soul. That was, that was right there. That was right there. All right, it's time to move on to our special categories. Yes. The first one, Cody, you're going to have to pick. Now, are we, sp- are we respending order because this is a new no. category? No. no. We're still in the draft. Oh, gotcha. The first, I'm, just, I'm just asking. And I'm these go asking. a little bit quicker. We don't have to give out the full explanations. Uh, I, will, I will still Get give the summary. Out. So female coming of age stories and movies. Now I include this as a category. We could have put these in our main ones, but I included it as a special category because we're dudes and yeah. coming of age movies are usually the ones that are special to you, the ones you identify with. So I just figured that we would probably have a lot of boy male ones. Um, Matilda is not. You picked Matilda, which I, I'm, I'm proud of you. Yep. That's how I roll. I almost picked uh, a female coming of age, but I saved it for this. So okay. hopefully no one takes it Cody, <laughs> like the sandlot. What is your female coming of age movie? I'm really hoping his is mean girls, but mine's not uh, mean girls was almost it. Um, also my wife would kill me if I didn't say stand by me. Well, it should have been on the, someone's list yeah and it, it should it should i thought for it sure. should have been me yeah. but i told you why and it's not one of my favorite movies because i think i feel like it's so serious it's a fictionalized tale of a real life event or happenings of yep. the author stevie king i went barbie whoa full circle there it is barbie is a coming of age movie not for young girls but for adult women and even the barbie itself I went meta. You know that scene in How I Met Your Mother where the pencil comes out of the ceiling and bounces off the table into Barney's nose? And he's like, am I dead? I I just feel like that. (laughs) Am I dead? Am I dead? Did I just get raptured? What just happened? (laughs) We're going to have to go to the instant replay on that one. (laughs) Take it to the Barbies. I'm proud of you. I never would have thought of that. But we spent a good, we spent like five minutes talking about it. Oh, no. Barbie was always going to be on my list. And I nearly went all female list. But I was like, ah, there's some good just everyone stories. And so I'm going to be an everyone kind of guy. Yeah. That's um, fantastic. Rhea Perlman's in this as well. Back to back Rhea picks. <laughs> I won't give you that. Well, you know what? I give will. us the synopsis. I please. will give you the deets because maybe you need to be impressed by you know, this. This, this, is, this, is this, is, this is for Margot. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes came out this past year. Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. Budget somewhere in the neighborhood of 128 to 145 million. Box office 1.4 billion. 
Billion with a B. I might have chose the the top grossing film out of this draft. Oh, I, I don't. Yeah, how much is going to be even close to that? How much of their budget was on paint? <laughs> <laughs> like just all pink. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, that's a good selection. So, and I'm I never would have thought of it. I will say the scenes with the creator very moving, very powerful. America Ferrera's speech. Very moving, very powerful. The dynamics between America Ferreira and her daughter and the dynamics between uh, Barbie and the creator. Oh, my goodness. Like, I mean, it's I thought of some tears and might have choked one out accidentally. It's going to be one of those movies um, in the same way that they leave a roadmap for how to do this. Like, if you're if you're turning a property from to- a toy property into a movie, like follow this roadmap uh, of what they did with this movie, because it's everything you said. It's, it's a great movie. And it wasn't my favorite movie of the year because Oppenheimer exists, but at the same time, I'm not going to take anything away from the creators of what they did with this movie. Cause it was fantastic. And the music's wonderful. Yeah. Um, my pick for my female coming of age movie is a movie that came out oh, in... Please say Terms of Endearment. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that movie's sad. I, I can't go with that movie. But that is a very 80s uh, one. Uh, this one came out Christmas of 2007. Oh. The movie is Juno. Yep. When oh, precocious yeah. teen Juno McGuff becomes pregnant, she chooses a failed rock star and his wife to adopt her unborn child. Complications occur when Mark, the prospective father, begins viewing Juno as more than just the mother of his future child, putting both his marriage and the adoption in jeopardy. Um, budget somewhere in the seven million dollar range made two hundred and thirty two million at the uh, at the box office. Put Diablo Cody, who is the director, uh, or, excuse me, was the screenplay writer, and she, I believe she wins the Oscar for this. Maybe. Uh, I don't remember, but uh, starring also really puts um, um, Ellen Page at the time, now Elliot Page, yep. on the map. Uh, and starring Michael Sarah, hey! our guy Michael Sarah. He's in Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Garner, Jason Bateman, J.K. Simmons, a lot of tons of people in this movie. And Diablo Cody is one of those people where, like, her movies are so unique. Mm-hmm. They have such a unique voice. And I remember I loved this movie. I loved Juno. And it was so like the, the relationship between Paige uh, and, and the dude, the father of the, the, the couple that's going to adopt her, her baby, like is so like, it's so at the same time creepy and like, but the whole movie's kind of funny and it's this weird, like, man, she just does that well, Diablo Cody, this mm-hmm. mixture of feelings you're having. And um, everyone in this movie is just stupid delightful, by the way. Stupid delightful. And, uh, yeah, I just, I really like this movie. And it's weird because mo- a lot of Diablo Cody movies aren't my cup of tea. But mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this one, and I remembered it uh, for, our, well, up until now. Look at you choosing the indie art film darling it's listed as a comedy romance because our guy michael Sarah does like ellen page back then in, in that movie they i can't kiss, remember they kiss at the end i can't remember if they end up together do they end yeah, up together at the, at the very end like she has the baby and she's like let's try dating again 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's coming back to me. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I know I like this movie. That's my pick. Juno, market dude. Um, Ethan. I can't believe my my movie fell through you two. You're picking so, Mean Girls, aren't you? I'm not. <laughs> mean <laughs> Girls is so good. I'm, I'm, I'm picking a movie so good and that it was, it's been made like five times. Oh, my gosh. Starting in black and white. And as recently as Timothy Chalamet, give me Little Women. Little oh. Women. You know, that was on my list. I thought you were going to go A Star is Born. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a coming of age movie. Yeah. But okay. Give me Lady Gaga. <laughs> Singing. No. Ethan, um, tell us about Little Women. So Little Women is kind of like the, I would, I mean, I'm not trying to uh, say the wrong thing i know many people are passionate about little women but i would equivalent it to a female version of the sandlot because it is very much the story of a family um during uh the 1800s civil war and yeah it's right in the civil war because their dad's a pastor a minister and he's over uh with the troops and so the mom is basically raising these four growing young girls on her own and it goes over several months and years um, but what I love about it is it starts off and you introduce all of these different, you know, girl characters and you meet the boy, Rory, um, and then it progresses through their friendship and um, their ups, their downs, their falling out, their separations, their coming back together. And at the end, I love it because it shows you each of the daughters has a different ending to how they grew up. Mm. So, for example, spoilers, you've had like 80 years to watch it. But, <laughs> um, by the way, I will be referencing the 90s version with Sigourney Weaver. Um, oh, so we're not going with the most recent version. No. Well, I mean, the, the recent one's good, too. But I'm just saying it's not the one I knew growing up. Um, fun fact about me, I grew up with a single mom and four older sisters. So, yes, the 90s one is the one we are familiar with in the household. Um, but the four older sisters... One, Beth, dies during the movie because she had scarlet fever, I believe it was, earlier, like before the movie when she was a child, and she gets it again, and she dies in the movie. And so it shows all of them dealing with that. Um, and that's a very powerful few minutes in the story that affects them the rest of the film. Um, the second one one tries to grow up too fast. And we've talked about that before with some of our other picks. Um, she ends up marrying the soldier, trying to be a grown-up woman, and it turns out he's the jerk who just wants everybody for their dowry. And um, so that doesn't work out, and they never see her again. He takes he takes her, finds out there's no doubt, real dowry because they're poor, and he just takes off, and they never see her again because they're married now, and she's his wife. It's crushing. And he, yeah, and it's like she was like, 13 and it's this is horrible um the 90s version 93 percent on rotten tomatoes that's right. and a bevy of academy awards by the way oh yeah that, uh, it's a good movie winona rider mm-hmm. if you need her and um, then uh the second oldest or is it the third yeah the third oldest um ends up marrying rory the childhood friend that originally like the oldest sister joe but then in Europe, they re-met after a few years, and they ended up getting married. So she ends up growing up and accepting societal norms for at the time, just getting married, having a rich provider husband, and going the classical route. And then maybe the most interesting daughter is Joe, who the whole movie defies 
everybody's expectations and norms, mm -hmm. societies or families, everybody. And at the end of the movie, like in, earlier in the film, she rejects Rory, who says, you know what, I love you. And she's like, we would never work out. We would never work out. And I don't want marriage like that. I don't mm -hmm. want you. I'm figuring myself out at a time when women didn't have that many options in society. And at the end of the movie, her whole life is counterculture. She becomes an author and writes what she wants. She inherits a mansion and turns it into the school slash orphanage. Is right? this autobiographical? Is this a fictionalized yeah. account? And she ends up marrying later to the poor teacher. So she doesn't marry rich. She marries an older, poorer teacher. Who wrote Little Women? It's a famous book, right? I don't, I don't Wait, know. We don't know that? Oh. No, I don't know who wrote Little <laughs> This is a movie conversation. <laughs> we don't have time to read. We it's like a famous, this. It's famous literature. It I'm is. sorry. Um, listen to this cast. You oh, ready for oh this? it's powerful. Winona Ryder, Kirsten Dunst, Christian Bale, Susan Sarandon, Claire Danes, Gabriel Byrne, Eric Stoltz, Donald Logue is in this movie. Man, there's a ton of people in this movie. This is loaded. Yeah, it's... It's very good. It also earns the distinction of the most recent Little Women movie I've ever seen. I didn't That's see fair. the new one. Um, my wife did throw this one out to me, and I'm like, I've seen this like once. Yeah. So. <laughs> and apparently never read the book. <laughs> definitely did not read. All right. Last category. Coming of age TV series. Cody, go. It was almost that 70s show, but it's iCarly. Live <laughs> life, oh, breathe air. Somehow we're going to get there. There it is. I don't um, know anything about it. So you're going to have to tell me why. Yeah, so tell me why. iCarly is a show about someone that has a web show, and her friends and her put on this web show, and she's raised by her older brother, Spencer, and they have a goofy friend named Gibby, and everyone... Like has had a Gibby in their life unless they were the Gibby, and then <laughs> <laughs> that that is a T-shirt worthy quote. Yes, and oh, it's so hilarious. Jerry Trainer, who plays Spencer, uh, Miranda Cosgrove plays Carly Shay, uh, which if you've seen School of Rock, she's the mm. little kid that yeah. like everyone's like, ah, oh, she's hilarious. Uh, Jeanette McCurdy plays Sam, which is Carly's best friend. And then, of course, Freddy's in it, and everyone's like, poor Freddy. He gets told to shut up all the time. And then you get, like, just this random ensemble of people. And uh, Freddy's mom happens to be Mary Shear from Mad TV. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Um, my selection for... Well, well, real quick, I want to ask him a question. Okay. Are you including the reunion season oh, oh the, the, the adult season no okay i was just curious no like mm -hmm. you see he's like he's like, mm -hmm. he's like no stop, you stop. see them grow up and that is the coming of age story <laughs> and without sam being on the show i couldn't bring myself to watch it even mm -hmm. though i'm like but her brother's hilarious i need to watch this yeah. but no 
Okay. Uh, my TV series, coming of age TV series, is uh, a the, show. The Wonder Years? Called The Wonder Years. I there knew it. it. Mm-hmm. The Wonder Years tracks life in the turbulent late 1960s and early 70s through the eyes of the increasingly less innocent Kevin Arnold. Narrated by an adult Kevin, the show follows him as he faces first love and the obstacles of life with best friend Paul. Uh, the narrator, none other than um, Daniel Stern. From mm. Home Alone fame, Wet oh. Bandit fame. Um, and Sticky Bandits. Starring Fred Savage as Kevin Arnold, Josh Saviano as his friend Paul, and of course, the love interest, Danica McKellar, who every boy my age was in love with uh, when this show was on. We all wanted to, uh, to, to be the boy that won the heart of Winnie Cooper. Sadly, and, you didn't. Just like Kevin. Kevin, and most of that show, he's trying to win the heart of uh, Winnie Cooper. And I don't know what it is about my age, my generation, that the coming of age, a lot of the coming of age stories were ones that were, were more identifiable by our parents. Mm-hmm. Like this was literally, it took place in the 60s and 70s. And that would have been more my parents' wheelhouse. Yeah. But this movie spoke to us, our movie. This TV show spoke to us. Like, So I assume you're not going to go with the modern. I haven't seen the modern one, although I wouldn't mind watching it. It just kind of got lost for me. Mm. But I would love to watch the new one. Um, but yeah, I loved The Wonder Years. It's one of my favorites. It's classic. It's, I think I'm due for a rewatch, to be honest. It's one of those shows I've never revisited, and I should. Mm. Ethan? Coming of age TV show to end the draft. Okay, so you you dropped your quick honorable mention before yours, Dick Cody. Yeah. So real quick, I'm not going to go into detail. It went too long, and the like the last half of the seasons just covered him as an adult. I almost picked Smallville. Yeah, I know. I on my went, list. <laughs> I was so close, but I was like, ah, he's too old. By yeah. the end, um, he's too old. No. Um, he so, gets out of high school, and yeah, yeah, it just becomes that's when it's way less interesting. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. cool in like the first three seasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I am going that '70s show. Yes, one hundred percent. It is one of, if not, I would say probably the top ten funniest sitcom, whatever you want to call it, shows. I would pu- I would put it up there. It is just topical. The jokes hit every time. You cannot have any idea what the '70s are about. You can pop it in and you'll be rolling. It's super relatable because it's teenagers and they're all going through the things every teenager goes through. Yeah. You got the love struck couple at the beginning and then they break up and get with other people. You got the nerdy, weird kid who's trying to fit in with the hot girl right next door and they end up together and then break up and there's all that drama. You got the cool kid, like the Fonz from Friends, you know, <laughs> but it's Hyde, you know, with his aviators and just I don't care attitude, right? And then the the wild card, Fez. 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 Foreign never, exchange student. I, I know. <laughs> I've never seen another Fez on another show. Like, there's never been, like, like community kind of comes close with that mm-hmm. kind of, like, zany, like, just boom, like, throw it in there. But, man, like, that combination, that cast had so much chemistry. Like, season one, like, normally, you know, it takes them a couple of episodes to click. Like, episode three, you're like, they got it. They yeah, got they it. were banging. They're banging. Right off the bat. Yeah. They go through high school. And I do not count the reunion season yeah. <laughs> either. Um, that was rough. That was rough. But or yes. the last season. I was going to say, <sighs> like after they lose Topher, 
mm-hmm. it starts going down. Yeah. 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 But like the I first think- handful of seasons, holy cow, magical. Um, it, it overshadowed Saved by the Bell for my honorary mention. Yeah. Saved by the Bell was also on my list. Uh, Smallville, though, was too. Yeah. Yeah, those Fresh, are the ones I had th- was thinking. Of. I also almost went Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Dude, Fresh that Prince was, on was the a good list. one. Yeah, uh, Different World was also on the list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. College Coming of Age, which oh, is a little yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. There's a ton of TV shows, and and because we're not girls, we're missing some obvious ones: Gilmore S- Girls, Sister Dawson's Sister, Creek, yeah, um, Party of Five. Party of Five. Yeah, there were tons. Beverly Hills 90210. Even my wife threw that one out. Yeah, uh, there's tons. There were tons of TV ones out. One there. Tree Hill. Yeah, well, you know, I don't know anything about that. But. I don't, hey, sounds like Western Kansas. <laughs> what, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Uh, what were your coming of age movies and TV shows that you grew up with? We'd love to hear it. Comment on the uh, posts for this. And then don't forget to vote. You got to vote. This is a pop culture draft. Which one of us draft the best team of coming of age movies and TV show? Uh, let us know by voting on the uh, popular social media post that we'll, we will post on this with the cool graphics. Don't forget to vote Dave. Vote Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I will use my platform to try to influence the vote. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time.